So like a couple months back there, I don't even remember how it started, but there was this long thread of Mr. Bean stuff that oh, we yeah. were all commenting on. And that was like one of my favorite experiences on Twitter. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I haven't thought about Kmart in years. I hadn't thought about Mr. Bean in years. So yeah, I couldn't help something it. Right. That one of those gifts you posted of Kmart, I was like, that is our local old Kmart. So I was like trying to find pictures of our <laughs> Kmart yeah. from back in the day. Well, for everybody, for anybody who's that, missing but... context because you didn't happen to look at my Twitter that day of the trash fire though i'll share this other days too so internet archive which of course is also like the internet wayback machine and they archive a ton of old dos games and incredible jason jason scott's uh kind of pet project slash life mission so part of internet archive also has is a section called attention kmart shoppers where a person who basically stole tapes from a kmart he worked at from like late 1970s to mid 1990s just uploaded all of that audio unedited just per tape to the internet archive and it's at least 42 hours which i know because i've downloaded all of it narrowed down my favorite 42 hours ran a noise filter and backed up to three different locations so even if someone goes after them because there's a few commercially licensed songs still in that collection buried deep in there someone might care about even if it disappears i will get have it the rest of my life i like to work to this music i it to me it's very kind of a calming thing from that era i've got this fascination around a it's authentically got the ads and stuff all intact. It's got the fake security yeah. callouts. So, and you still hear this now. Once you know that this is in Kmart tapes from like the 70s, you catch them doing this in CBS in 2021. They'll just have between songs like security aisle 3B. And it's just there to scare people. Like they don't have security. Yeah. They don't care if you still pack. <laughs> like get real. Like this is a, it's a, it's a drugstore. But like, so in the case of the Kmart, they've got those, they've got these weird kind of anachronistic, Martha Stewart shout outs from her product line. And the other thing I love about him too, is just the, how much of that music did not stand the test of time and no one has ever heard or spoken about again. Yeah. And the stuff that we think about is like, that's eighties music. Cause we still listen to it. That's not, that's still alive. That still has newer associations. You still heard that in high school. You still heard that in college. You still heard that throughout your life. The stuff that only got played in 1990, that's how 1990 actually sounded. And when you hear that <laughs> stuff, like, that's it. That, 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 that doesn't blur the memory to me to any other hook I have besides being in Kmart, walking behind my mom's shopping cart. Like, that's it. Yeah. What's kind of funny is like I was listening through uh, one of the tapes that was on there when you posted that. And, you know, I, I couldn't help but kind of hear the similarity of like how a lot of like royalty free music is used these days. Like when you're a content creator and you hop on, you know, I can't even remember the the one that I use, but it's like you hop online and you start going through stuff just for background. And you're like that the new, the modern like royalty free, like Muzak or whatever is like the equivalent of like the 1973 Kmart reel. It's yeah. all meant to just be like, you know, it, it's meant to be not taxing on the brain, easy to listen to, to just shove right into the back so you can buy your toothpaste or whatever. And yeah, that's part of what I think makes a good background music. It's designed to be background music. It's part of why game music often works well for background music. It's designed to not be the only thing in your attention. Unlike if you're like a, like a lot of music we listen to, it's really kind of designed for if you go to a concert and it's on a stage yeah. and it's got your full focus and there's the lyrics and a lot of complexity, a lot of range. And it's not that like just idle background. It expects you're thinking about other stuff. You're doing other things. You're solving other problems. And that makes it really nice for background music. I'm um, not saying you get some occasional surprises of, uh, uh, one of the things I did was I tweeted, there's a certain tape at a certain timestamp that is Rick Astley's always uh, never going to give you up, which is a great way to Rick roll people to be like, hmm, the highlight to this collection of 42 plus hours of Kmart tapes <laughs> is definitely this tape at seven and a half minutes in. There's also some fun bits where you'll hear like, and you know, this uh, older generation will know these songs offhand, but lots of songs that modern music samples from, but you'll hear it and it'll completely screw you up because it was like the song that sampled yeah. from it played in Kmart in 1978 and yeah. now you're just like is that Tupac and it is not Tupac that was huge for the early like <laughs> hip-hop and electronic scene was sampling yeah. from all of these things like you know the the main like drum and bass uh drum rhythm that everybody talks about like that was sampled from like some album like in the 50s or something you know and wild wild west and yeah I mean, there's a whole lot of this fun stuff that's or, or like uh uh what is it 
that office space has this song about screw the job or whatever that like turns into a rap thing that's oh, based yeah. on this older song of take this job and shove it and uh, it's just really kind of a neat charm to hear these kind of prototypes a bit like so i think last time we might have referenced a lincoln park when i got the 20-year collection <laughs> it included earlier versions of those songs with lyrics that were not the versions that became massively popular and burned to cds and played at concerts and it's just kind of this neat to hear kind of the 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 dinosaur bones of this thing that gained so much cultural weight yeah um, yeah it's always fun to to go through um songs that you're intimately familiar and hear kind of how the hear the progression from a concept to finished project because or uh, you know finished product rather because once you release a song like that once lincoln park releases hybrid theory or hybrid theory as i used to think it was called uh <laughs> love it <laughs> um <laughs> you know it's kind of like it's not theirs anymore it's ours now you know but you can go back through maybe and i'm, I'm sorry you continue your point and then i'll ramble about my concerns around that <laughs> I, I i totally subscribe to death of the author but uh we can we can circle back but uh you know and i'm not saying that like it's not like a park song like it's just that like without an audience does it have a certain meaning and it does obviously but to hear the progression is a really good reminder of like, oh, right. Like they put a lot more thought into this than maybe I, I gave credit to. And right. That's kind of like people who watch the behind the scenes or like, stuff, I love watching know, that and like boy, the com- watching the commentary, commentary that sort of yeah. thing. You get that behind the scenes, look at how things were made and just the process a little more. And especially if you really enjoy an artist, getting that take is really cool. And those yeah. are also fun to me for the reminder of, you know, how much, even if we think of this as like, we talk about like music can be like a really aggressive and really angry, like, like they're, these are like poetic people who like took choir and like yeah. were in band and like studied music notes and think a lot about like writing and different things in cultural history. And like, obviously like half reasonably intellectual people for what they're doing, at least of a certain type. Uh, and that's fascinating to see behind that if you get these very aggressive personas who are straight up writing poetry as their yeah, full-time career that's neat yeah and then also the side to it's like when you meet a famous author or even a comedian and your reflex is like this person's gonna be interesting it's like no they're interesting after yeah. they pour hundreds of hours into coming up with a paragraph worth reading yeah otherwise they're just people like everybody else they got nothing <laughs> any more than you or i or anybody it's just like nah it's just you know but, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know why this this springs to my 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 mind, but I wanted to say this for some reason that, uh, you know, part of what makes the Muzak work of the Kmart stuff and, and why it works today, you know, versus you're talking about songs you're hearing on the stage is because like we have this inherent reflex and it's called um, or at least the term you could you could look into is called musicking. And it's sort of like our in our, our reflex of like appreciating the source of a sound and our brains are like hardwired to do that. And so that's part of why we get so much joy going to a concert and watching it because we are musicking. We are like, we can see the guitar. We can hear the guitar riff. We can see where it's coming from. We can see the drums. We can hear that sound through the mix, but like music, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it's not interesting enough to like trigger that world reflex. Yeah. It it doesn't trigger that biological reflex for us to be like, what is happening there? Because it's so just like, you know, nice and easy and designed to be pacifying it makes us into yeah. into buying consumer sheep and that's part of it makes it exciting <laughs> but the it's gonna say oh yeah, yeah so one of the things though about the music stuff where is it going with this well you were gonna i was talking about <laughs> death of the author or something earlier oh yeah, yeah that, that it becomes ours somehow like i don't know i i again and this is where <laughs> i i have a tough time whenever they're like oh okay and and respecting this doesn't mean there's an artistry and it. it just means i think there's complexity not being acknowledged when they're like there's some documentary some years ago that was about music resampling artists and it was playing some music that was pretty obviously a bunch of Michael Jackson tracks all woven together. And it was like, who's this music by? Do you think Michael Jackson? Because you're wrong. It's by this other person. And I'm like, okay, yeah. again, I can respect they added some layers, but here's the thing. And as someone who works with a ton of hobbyists, a ton of people who do it from home, a ton of people make their own content and have their entire lives. There are infinite human beings on this earth making content faster than you possibly could use it who would love for you to use their mix sample for free who would love for you to take their song and weave it into something else and would give you every right to do it and so on the difference between their sample and the reason why someone instead chose michael jackson's is again because 
thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs sank opportunity costs and expenses and complexities and trade-offs and compromises into building up value around that in a way that did not happen for my friend Sam's like SoundCloud yeah. track. And that is a non-trivial distinction when we're like, that character's mine now, no more than the Big Mac is because I ate one when I was 12. Like that's yeah. not suddenly how that works. I can still have a my own angle on it, my own appreciation of it. It was a part of my culture growing up. That's all fine. Yeah. But part of what also upsets me is because there's these contests of online art, visibility, et cetera, where there are folks who, because they are in the field of creating intellectual property, feel the lead at least to feel like they are somehow upholding what feel like moral rules to it. And they realize this is squishy yeah. and I'm going to agree to it. Whether or not it was the law, whether anybody's come after them, they're like, I'm going to try to make my own characters instead of just riffing on somebody else's. I'm going to make my own story instead of just telling somebody else's. And they have an enormous, just absolutely lower chance of succeeding than somebody else who's like, no, I'm going to take Wolverine. I'm going to tell a story where he's in Star Wars. I'm going to take Michael Jackson's music on top of it. And like, yes, it plays all these notes for us because there are reasons why like to do that. And the reason why they chose those is because of the advantages that anyway, I again, acknowledge complexity. I, I played a bunch of mod scene stuff in Doom and I like free sampled music and I'm not anti any of that. It's just I think there's a layer of complexity not being fairly acknowledged and and the amount of collaborators and why and how those structures work differently and again of the folks who would love to have their samples used free it's not really like it's just as a sound of the environment i sampled a bird it's something different (laughs) you know that's that's you know anybody who's kind of interested in like tackling down that as it like relates to music in an interesting way adam neely does a lot of really good videos on youtube approaching different lawsuits um like specifically he did one where uh the estate of marvin Gaye is suing um you know, that red haired kid, Ed Sheeran. And then there's one with like Katy Perry. And it's just so crazy to see like the corporate machine, like churn through these lawsuits over like the most weird frivolous ideas. Like they're like, well, this, this note progression is owned by the Marvin Gaye estate. And yeah, I, and, and certainly this is not what I'm in favor of. Again, there's this distinction between moral right. rights and like the legal bean counters fighting over uh, technicalities right. of, Oh yeah, and I and I didn't mean to imply that you did. It's just interesting. I I, t- I totally think though that it's you know it's it's like, and and I'm happy to you know be wrong even in the most technical sense. But it's <laughs> it's it is interesting when you think like uh, you know, I mean the only reason that like Lincoln Park for example like actually means anything is because there was people there to like receive it and adopt it and turn their own sort of story a part of it you know to make um going to these concerts a part of their life and then turn impacting the the author of that work i think it's kind of an interesting like give and take but i do sort of think that there is a little bit of ownership in the stuff because otherwise i think we would all have a lot more problem with harry potter still remaining like in vogue lately you know like people have no problem liking the books of harry potter because uh, it I, means I mean, so they, much to them they, they do uh, I, 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 well, that's, I have, there I have, are a lot of yeah. I have some Harry Potter fans or former Harry Potter fans who are very conflicted around uh, the difficulties of now feeling as if they are in any way endorsing what they consider disagreeable, problematic views of the author yeah. that might be inseparable, even if it's that's at a, a situation good... where that person's not making money from it anymore or that person's right. got so much money that they're not going to see a drop in the bucket difference regardless. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, and I have no, I have no dog in the fight of Harry Potter. I've actually never read the books and don't care about the series in general. But, <laughs> but seeing the dialogue unfold on Twitter is interesting because, and there are the two camps, obviously, but especially like, you know, ar- around a lot of like the, um, the, like the turf comments and things like that. Like, you know, I see a lot of trans people going on, being like, "Don't worry, guys. Like, you have permission to like Harry Potter still because I, I like it still." You know. Yeah, it, it's 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 certainly in any case. You know, even if we do the death of the author thing, it still it doesn't mean that. So you know, the person she's not the, problematic. The, the the receiver it might be uh, as much an authoritarian authority as the author, but not towards any other receiver. They can only speak for themselves. No more than the author can speak for anybody else. They can say it's okay with me. Does not mean it's okay with anybody else. It is ultimately yeah, that's a really great point. Yeah. It is an anarchy, which again is fine, uh, but, but yeah. it is a distinction. And uh, yeah, and we see these things happen all the time too. If like yeah, you know, uh, so there's games that I won't play because they brag about their crunch. They take pride in their crunch, etc. And even yeah. when I have conflicts over it, because I know people who worked at the studio at director level and at sort of like entry level tier 
neither of whom had any complaint against like they knew what they're getting in for. They were never deceived about or baiter switched over what they were signing up to do. They knew that this is something that was going to be a rough few years, but they wanted to be a part of this and they knew that's what it was going to take. And I don't know any more than I also don't like get mad at someone who tears himself up and gets a mild injury from running a marathon and bleeding a bit and stuff. If they knew that that's what they're signing up to do, I scratch my head a bit over like, I don't like it. I don't like being forced yeah. anybody. I've got problems <laughs> with that. If someone's forced to do that, that's really bad. If they think they're doing something else, it's bad. If they're really upfront about this, what we're doing, it gets in any case complicated territory. If I don't feel like it's my place to tell them what compromise they will want any more than when I was a wrestler, I ate differently and exercised differently than I certainly would now. Then I would encourage anybody else to necessarily do but I was like, but I can survive a few years of this, and that's of interest to me for personal reasons in the bigger arc of my life story, and that's where I have a hard time, I don't know, navigating that. And again, not to say they're yeah. good or justifiable or rational, it's just to say my usual no, you bring of, up a uh, lot of there's complex there there's complexity yeah. and other things sometimes gets lost in the uh, uh simplification of what are admittedly bad things and worth more being done about and attention being brought to and making sure that there's not mis any misunderstanding or confusion about what people are doing, that kind of thing. Or See, that's one of the reasons I, I really like, uh, you know, and that's why I push talking about this a little bit more is because you have such a great way of approaching the complexity of the situation and really like tugging at the threads and you know enough to know that maybe you don't know everything, but there's some there's some things that you can definitely pull on that. Uh, I do have to be careful with that because it is certainly uh, and again, like even if you're like, oh, even there, I'm sure there's some sort of soundbite someone can get and be like, aha retweet oh, this him. snippet christopher <laughs> he's very pro and like i'm super obviously not i've got a long history of being anti that etc but it, no matter what you do i mean this is the nature of the online discourses is you know obviously increasingly what a lot of people do is they only talk about the area of their only specialties the only message they want to put out there because they know anything else is a volatile risk of easy to take a sound bite out of context even if the sentence before or after it disclaims like don't misunderstand this because this is definitely not what i'm saying and they become yeah. so guarded that essentially you're talking to a PR person. But <laughs> yeah. no, that's not a life yeah. I choose to lead. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, plus yeah. you got enough content out there that if somebody puts out a soundbite, a hundred people will rise up and be like, but here's hundreds what? of hours of one, him. One would not... hope, but yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> who knows? That's one of the, one of my friends always, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, tried to do a little bit of stand up here years ago. And uh, one of my friends, you know, in cancel culture is in full swing. He's like, well, I guess now I can't be a successful stand-up comic because I would get canceled. I was like, dude, first you gotta be like having these, like there's so many steps you gotta reach first. <laughs> the reason that. I'm not better than the Rolling Stones is because of the music industry has like, well, I don't know, is that really it? Is that the reason? Are you sure? Yeah. Is there some other reason? I always, I'd always tell him, I was like, well, maybe first you should be successful before you worry about that problem. But, yeah, that, well, yeah. Or just don't say those jokes, you know, there's another <laughs> yeah. option too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, it is also a complicated, well, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're all learning over time. Like recently I, there was an email at work about like things that we commonly say that we don't realize could be detrimental or offensive. And yeah. something that I say all the time is like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah, and, and that's something I have become very guarded against. I've known people in my life, I uh, worked with professionally and so on, who have situations, challenges, real issues in their life, etc. that some people misbrand as crazy or insane or some other thing or don't like the negative connotation any more than we also just try to avoid arbitrarily ableist language around felt paralyzed, you know, referring right. to something blind in a way that yeah. implies that it's a negative or all kinds of things. They're just like, well, it's also not a hard switch once you're aware to like right. be a little more cautious of your language. There's other ways to phrase these things that accomplish the same purpose without yeah. implying something that someone else can't change or was born about, or is a very real challenge of life, et cetera. They are fully functional and kind and constructive and productive human being society apart from without well, somehow branding that as like, and I, I feel this too for it's like the um, lots of old franchises have this way of taking something that was okay at the time and kind of hand waving way of like, huh, but the franchise has always done this. So it's a bit like the saving the princess trope that we all know is kind of problematic, but like Mario's been doing it since 1980 from yeah. Japan where the culture is kind of a little different about gender and some other things anyway. Anyway, that is like, well, when they do it again, it's like, yeah, but that's Mario, which doesn't really make it okay. We see the same <laughs> thing that happened in speaking of like the word crazy or something where something Batman has been always horrific about is literally just equating that like 
psychoses, mental problems, PTSD, or like, there, that's what criminals come from. Those are the bad guys. That's Arkham <laughs> Asylum. That's that's definitely yeah. the reason people do crimes and not for like societal issues or whatever. And <laughs> and like we'll see like in newer shows like Gotham or the movies or other stuff, they'll still just keep these tropes around and like insanity equals a criminal as opposed to yeah. that super messed up in a way of no matter how well the show produced, the show might be really kind of a problematic thing. And again, it kind of becomes a matter of like, I can appreciate it artistically and how they've assembled this. I would prefer to try to allocate my entertainment energies to finding something else that I don't feel this conflicted about a little right. archaic messaging in a destructive way to yeah. real people. I, this was really I, challenging too. It's like going back and, uh, you know, uh, Supernatural just ended and it was one show that I watched a lot when it was new and I decided to go back and watch it and I was like, man, that wasn't even that long ago. You know, they ran 15 seasons and some of these early seasons, there's a lot of problematic stuff. Oh, yeah. It's just like, I can't believe that was on TV. <laughs> but 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 and this and this is the measure of progress, right? This is the fact that we can like within our lifetime, look back at stuff and be like, that's not right. I that show yeah. probably should not be put on TV anymore is the sign of progress. That is that is yeah. the good thing. Yeah, there was something I was kind of it was an interesting situation. So Nolan Bushnell was supposed to have got some lifetime achievement award a few years ago uh, for a guy who invented Atari, the company and so on. And Chuck E. Cheese, to his credit, also Chuck E. Cheese. And uh, <laughs> they were like, well, hold up. In the 70s, there are photographs of him like in hot tubs with like women who work yeah. for him and so on. And this is a case where like super don't do that today. Not how it works. Not no, and for decades hasn't been. And and like. And they would talk to like the women who were there like, yeah, but it was the 70s. And like that didn't seem like a problem to us either in the 70s. But also and like but he was and this is where I really appreciate that, like his message about it was like the basic amount of some degree also kind of just a, a, a flex of like, I don't frankly need this award. I did pretty well <laughs> in life. But it amounted to like, OK, yeah, yeah. By all means, like, please don't let the dialogue become this. I'm glad of the social progress. I'm glad that that's no longer OK. I'm glad we can look back at that and be like. That's not how a workplace should be and so on. Um, you know, like super earnestly, I don't mean to have harmed anybody or caused offense or suggest this is the way things ought to be, yada, yada. And um, just that complicated challenge of the lifetime over which we're alive. The standards will move. And this is where, like, again, for good reasons, but it is also some of the challenges we run into of the things where the tweets they post that live online forever or are archived right. anywhere forever, et cetera, of stuff that at the time just seemed like a thing as much as the ending of some uh jim carrey movies in the 90s which are now like you can't just Ooh, can't yeah. do can't then valid don't do that that's both yeah. not funny that's super screwed up <laughs> this is all kinds of not okay that at the time like no one in my social group recognized the complications of the problems with for a variety of reasons that doesn't make it okay but it is a, it i'm is pretty a sure we talked about jim carrey we, last we time did too. Talk, probably yeah. i didn't get to that part of the recording but it wouldn't surprise me um I was again, thinking, like, where that did I hear this before? <laughs> yeah, we no, talked it's about so Ace Ventura yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. on yeah. the podcast yeah. one time, Rhett. Yeah, yeah, not so good. Well, well yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is It is wild how... Wild. Well, yeah. I was going to say crazy, but then I said wild and I corrected I, myself. I've been there doing that, that too. <laughs> wild seems better to me. Yeah. Well, I said wild thinking that I didn't say wild. That was confusing. I confused myself so much. And yeah, and, and again, it is one of these of like it, it, it for there's some people like, oh, then I uh, not supposed to talk to them. It's like it's, it's not that much effort. It's a, like what's a, a brief no. habit change. It's a bit of intermix in, in the middle. And then you just find a more interesting way to talk. Right. You tell a more interesting, you find True. a more that's, interesting that's... joke to tell. A lot of the challenge of humor throughout history has been finding ways to say things that are clever and funny without <laughs> yeah. distracting them by saying something that's completely right. inappropriate, off the wall, problematic. And that's and that's that what I always craft. tell people, you know, at work, this was a huge problem. And, and we had this huge diversity um, and, and equity and inclusion conference, they call it. it was this big month long thing. And and, you know, I really enjoyed going through it. But, man, there were some people that were so resistant to the ideas. And I, I framed it the same way that to uh, some of my coworkers It's like, look, it's just finding an uh, it's like a challenge. You're just finding a new way to present the same ideas. And you should be on board with that because you're good at these types of things. Like it takes no effort except for thinking about your words just a little bit more. And once you change it out once or twice, it's going to become reflex like. And again, in that way of the habit thing, it's sort of like people are like, oh, do you have to think all the time what you eat as a vegan? I'm like, no, I kind of eat like the same four or five <laughs> foods I figured out kind of work for me the same way you eat. keep eating chicken tenders and burgers and like a few other things you figured out. Like these are just the foods that I eat. I've just found a different me out set here. that, uh, <laughs> you know, 
scratches the nutritional needs or whatever but yeah it's it's a yeah it's have a change and it's also it's it's the, the other challenge that comes overlaps this is the again it kind of goes back to our point of like huh what about people who don't think about things the same way i do uh we kind of joked about earlier but there's this very real thing of people sometimes have a sense of the world looks to everybody the way it does to them and and it's it's the same also spawn point frankly of these things where it's like well giving advice because the only thing they've ever tried worked well and the one thing they've ever done happened to take off like a rocket and they're all they're honestly reflecting on this is what i did will it work for you i don't know what i'm not saying here's what i did and then people put microphones in their face because they want to know how did you do that thing uh yeah. but yeah there's a certain extent to which having to remind ourselves like it is as much as the kind of death of the author thing like not my place to say what is or isn't offensive to somebody else a compliment to somebody else etc it is a trying to listen to learn about like okay i thank you for letting me know i will i can adapt around that no big deal i really appreciate the heads up because my intent was not to cause others harm or distress or perpetuate things that are no good. Yeah. Yeah. I will it's say also, one. Go ahead. Sorry. I will say one thing that kind of brings me hope in that space is um, a lot of the tech stuff people oh, yeah. are talking about, like turn, like get your repos and stuff yep. going away from master branch, changing yeah. to main or whatever you want to call it. Like such a small thing. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm also a big pro, and this also comes up in the productivity audiobook stuff of this sort of foot in the door theory of there's there's stuff where I might seem like, well, is that the big issue, right? But it's like, is that is that really the problem? But, but but so the foot in the door thing has to do with they would do this research back, I want to say decades ago, and they would basically go door to door and be like, okay, we got two options, um, you know, uh, can I get you to put this little sticker in your window about you support the environment, uh, or they they would just be like, hey, we're gonna come by in a week, we're gonna ask you about some environment stuff. And then they come back later and they're like, hey, can we put this big, ugly sign about supporting the environment in your yard? The people who they asked and got to like put a little sticker in the window were more likely to be like, yeah, that's consistent with the little decisions that I make. I'm, <laughs> I'm the kind of person who doesn't mind showing that that's important to me. And, and like part of what we do sometimes is like can convince ourselves to a foot in the door of like, well, this game is not going to be the big game. But the fact I'm making games, I got a foot in that door. I'm the kind of person who does that. I start paying attention to different kind of stuff. And it's these very same kind of things where like it's like it may not have been that's that is not the private prison system. That is not the literal state of like prison labor in the U S is not all kinds of drug laws that are improperly, but, but what it is is it gets people to realize like that's consistent with my way of thinking. I do care about this. This is a conversation worth having. And it's why. So even, and I, I put in a huge wall of divider here of, I'm going to talk animal ethics and it's different than people ethics. And that is not to try to conflate the two, but just by way of analogy alone, when I was at Carnegie as a vegan, there was some sort of presidential, uh, board with a student board, or everything discussion about should this campus do cage free eggs? And like, I'm a vegan. I'm like, obviously, I'd prefer you to do <laughs> eggs at all. However, I was yeah. in favor of that because it got people to think about why are we doing cage free eggs? And yeah. I also fully right. understand the limits of that term, the effectiveness of it, what it actually isn't. Uh, but again, it's a foot in the door of getting people to think about why do we have that conversation? What does this mean yeah. to me? What am I, and, it, and it's a step closer to having the conversation that I, in the direction I think it ought to go in. And I, I oftentimes think it's a challenge where some people will look at something as to, you know, there can be no improvement until everything's fixed all at once. And I'm like, that's not going to get us <laughs> no, there. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bunch yeah, of babies. It reminds me of, uh, reminds me of some of the stuff around climate change and some of like the top scientists around the world when when people ask like, what can we do to help out with climate change? They always say, talk about it, you know, get people, get people thinking about it. And that'll, that in itself will get people to, you know, learn yeah. more about it, question things. And awareness is like a, a precursor to change. It's like the, uh, it's necessary for change, you know, without that awareness, it means nothing. Well, and it's also where, and again, if we get down to like the, the details of it, some people will, will correctly look at some things like the cost of recycling plastic, the inefficiencies of recycling certain materials and be like, is this paying for itself? Is this actually, are we solving that problem? And if part of what it's doing, and again, this is not the hand wave away, this is all kinds of things, just say complexity there, uh, it gets people involved in like, I am conscientious of this. I pay attention to this. This is a topic I spend an extra minute a week thinking about when I'm taking out the garbage that certain things go somewhere else than the others makes them more likely to pay attention to when a company makes some big gesture about like, we're doing something different. We care. We go out of our way to do things at a scale that is different than consumer grade, but only matters to them because it resonates with something that in their lives affects them and their choices and their actions, even in addition. But yeah, it's, it very much again comes down to this space of 
acknowledging these are topics to discuss and address and take seriously and, and not just be something for someone else to take care of it. Because, you know. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And the recycling thing made me think about something, but I can't remember what that was. About how 9% of all plastics have been recycled and the rest have been either put in a landfill or burned. Honestly, Sorry, I'm, I'm thinking about the future archaeologists, you know, thinking about the earth will be very ET interesting cartridges. in a thousand years. <laughs> it might be interesting, like in the lifetime of children born right now, like that's true too. Ours yeah. too. Like this is this is increasingly not some sort of hypothetical, like the sun's going to explode in 50 billion years. This is a people yeah, get really, really frustrated with me because I have a tendency of just sort of like, you know, I don't I, I kind of. I don't have the word for it. I call it when I was talking to Taylor before, like trauma splash people a little bit where I just get really blunt and like cynical about something. And, you know, I, I had a kid uh, in 2020 and right at the beginning of the pandemic and it was a real challenge and, and uh, people were like, how is it? And it was like, great. I'm constantly worried about dying, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or, or they're like, well, isn't raising a kid great? I'm like, no, now I have to consider like the future water wars that will be fought when we face uh, drinkable yeah. water yeah well it's so dark and weird but but so i don't know if y'all are familiar and so this is also get my usual disclaimers on everything as a pile of disclaimers uh stephen pinker who i'm not therefore saying i agree with everything you guys ever said or written uh but had a pretty i think compelling thesis to better angels of our nature it's like a 40 hour audiobook or something or a sizable read uh, but basically lays out the case for as awful as things are now and this is not to take away anything of the awfulness of things are pretty awful they've been so much more awful for all of human history and that yeah. any exception to that, like we kind of alluded to earlier of like a hundred years ago, there's stuff to tell us about how awful stuff was. Oh, it's been all real bad for all all the time everywhere. And part of the interesting thing about that to me is, A, like, again, it is because our standard has risen so quickly, which is a good thing. Uh, but it is the same sort of effect of like if we, I don't know, we watch some TV show with time travel and it's like, oh, man, if we went back to medieval ages i'd be like royalty <laughs> no you wouldn't that was like, like 20 people on earth lived like that everybody else is like eating dirt like that was the existence of everybody and how good it is that we increasingly are asking these questions about like well no hold on why aren't those people having yeah. a better quality of living in a way that for most of human history was not even asked it was just like this is the way it ought to be we live in the castle and they all just sort of die when they're 30 um like it's you know it's a good thing but it is this perspective thing of any given time in history people looked around at frankly really tough times during world war ii during uh their country's civil wars their own kinds of stuff and been like got to keep making people like that's yeah. that's gonna be a thing and they're as likely to help us solve the problem as be a part of it like that's gonna yeah. be a thing uh yeah and that's that's exactly and that's exactly how i i frame it most of the time you know people like when things were getting really bad we had the the, the forest fires nearby that were like really coming down and the smoke was so thick you couldn't even like look out the window without getting you know choking it was like people would always be like man i got i bet that it's like you know I, no matter what happens like we're gonna be fine if i have to like leave my house behind and it burns down like we're gonna get in the car and like we're gonna have some level like there is food no matter where we drive to, at least at the moment. There's water wherever we go to. There's, you know, there's medicine. There's some sort of house or shelter or something we can get into. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but here in the United States and North America, you know, it, it's people have uprooted their entire lives to find some semblance of, of just survival or safety and all that sort of stuff. And, and just because I've lived in the same 10 mile radius my whole entire life doesn't mean <laughs> that if I couldn't or that if that if I had to do it, I couldn't, you know. Right. People in, in my family, I, I'm the entire, I'm the culmination of a thousand a ancestors, you know, and they all survived and, and did something. So why can't I, I guess, you know? Yeah. So, but I, like you said, hopefully uh, they're, they're just as likely to be the solution to the problem as, as part of it. And I think it's a really charming and important way to look at it because we are making progress. It's uh, scary times, but everywhere you look, people had scary times, you know? I was talking to my dad, and my dad was born in 1950, you know? And he's like, yeah, like, wow, civil rights. Yeah, I wonder what that's like. Yeah, I lived through that, too, when I was a young man. And it's, it, it's cyclical, and there's all these types of things, but everybody always thinks it's the worst when they're around. And you know? Yeah, yeah. speaking of things that were not that long ago in U.S. history, again, this is like <laughs> this, like, super, and I'm glad we have this conversation, like, MLK would probably still be alive at, like, a natural age if things didn't happen yeah. the way they did yeah. um, that like quite literally when we watch footage of or photographs of like people being denied going to high school or whatever, like 
and I don't mean me specifically so much as like as Americans worth reflecting on like some of our grandparents are the ones yelling at their grandparents to like not go in there kind of stuff like this was not that long ago. Uh, yeah. And so that is, if anything, again, trying to kind of semi counter blessings of obviously doesn't mean the work's done, but the progress has been made that we are going in a better direction, et cetera. Trying to look at the Delta and keep that accelerating and go in better ways and so on. Yeah. <sighs> so how does this relate to game dev? Sure. Um, so again, I think it's partly when people work together on things creatively, it helps <laughs> yes. them learn to appreciate each other and potential differences in cultural backgrounds, differences in uh, where they invest energies, differences in uh, it helps them have to come to some compromises and talk their way through their differences and how things ought to be. And that we can take those same kind of long-term planning techniques and strategies and recognition of we each need different tools and objectives to this problem space and solve other problems outside of games. I think one of the more useful skills we practice, people even talked about remote teams, talked about obviously art, code, writing, whatever, um, is also just our long-term planning that we kind of consist of, there's a thing I want to accomplish. It can't be done in a day. It's going to take me like five months. How can I, I space that out and fit that in around the rest of my life in which I'm still keeping a roof over my head, I'm still maintaining my social and family obligations, and still moving this thing forward towards, by some predetermined date, a thing that didn't exist or hadn't been done now exists or is done? that's a useful skill in general to make something that adds up to something bigger than feeling limited by what can be done in one sitting. So that's my tie in there to game dev. Stuff. That was, it's like you'd done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot about this stuff. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting uh, that one of the questions that we asked earlier came from uh, one of our friends, uh, Felix. Uh, he ha is really passionate about this idea in the way in which we can gamify our way out of a lot of the world's problems and I can't remember the exact platform that he was talking about, but this one company has looked at like land surveying or something and kind of gamified it by taking like drone pictures and allowing people to like fly this drone in this like game environment and identify real life pictures in this game to help like identify like, I don't know, I can't remember yeah, if it was, he was soil quality or like. It was tracking different like animals in in different environments to help yeah. them like determine the number of them left and things like that the co famously there's a commercial example of this or in the research space for like solving genes including i think it baked into borderlands 3 they've got like a mini game of you're solving a puzzle that helps find like matching somehow chromosomal oh, really? patterns something or helping to like decrypt some sort of disease properties huh. or find symmetries or something wow. and, yeah it's a really compelling interesting space I so one of my books under my monitor is Ben Sawyer's Ultimate Game Developer Source book from '96. He's a serious games guy, and he helps our like GDCs to have a serious games section of talks and stuff. And uh, one year, he and I were out in DC talking with DC scientists and some smancy federal building or whatever about how to gamify some of these problems. And they're like, "Oh, here's so let's talk about examples of what problems we might look at." One of them is. We have a ton of data to try to make sense out of what to do about this. But there's a thing where if you have and a micro note might gross somebody out. If you have a catheter, there's a decent chance like 50 percent of like a, a slime mold might climb up that catheter and go into you through it. And that like 50 percent of people at some time in their life will like need something like that. And so this is a high value problem for us to find a way to solve. And I'm like. Actually, having just told me that, I now want to stay awake every night the rest of my life <laughs> in a cold sweat looking at spreadsheets or whatever you need me to do with calculus or something to help because I don't like that. And and I don't know. There's certain things that may – I mean, gamification solves a certain narrow slice of interesting problems in a compelling way. But there's also some things that maybe the issue itself might be the – Yep. Okay. What do you need me to do something boring? How can I get in line to do that? Uh, there is some stuff that like there's some pretty serious issues facing us, and and I kind of worry that one of my is a bit of the stoicism stuff, or some some Masonius Rophus or uh, uh, Marcus Aurelius kind of things about like this concern of if we attach something mainly to doing it for the reward of it or to the structure around it or whatever, as opposed to for the thing itself, how easily manipulated that is or misdirected or steered some way else. And so I don't know. I've always. I both acknowledge that there is a scale to that, there's an appeal to that, there's a fun around it, there's a, again, a certain problem space that's very effective in about folding proteins or something. It seems to be a very good fit for that. Still the same example of like three we bring up for a decade later. But for some of the other things, it just feels like, I don't know, if we can make someone understand and appreciate the case of, uh, is a problem worth solving? A lot of people are like good people who are like, how can I add value? How can I be constructively a part of this process? Put me out there. 
if they just had some direction on here's what to do about it. Um, this is sort of like, I mean, what we see in a version of obviously there's similar complexity and simplification of a very messy narrative around what's going on with the stock market, where to a bunch yeah. of people, it's like, it's sort of coming down to feeling as if, well, if I just throw $50 into this stock, I have, I am helping to slay the dragon. Now, again, there's obviously something very complicated, different going on there. There's other hedge funds on the side of that. There's a whole system, but people are going to lose some money in the process, but it feels like there's some sort of clear indication if I just do this, I am helping the good guys. And, you know, that is ultimately, once you can find a way to connect that messaging to what somebody's needs to actually do, a whole bunch of people are willing to line up, I think, to yeah, how do we help. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a really interesting point, for sure. You know, and it's, it is interesting because I do feel like there's a lot of like crowdsourced, um, you know, things that are, are pretty effective. Like NASA has figured out a pretty good way to do this for like, you know, their, their huge photographs. The, the sheer amount of digital data that they collect, you know, they a lot of times crowdsource a lot of the, the issues, even if it's just CPU yep. uh, workloads and things like that. Um, that goes a long ways. But it, it's always interesting to me that they have a pretty good success rate with people combing over photographs and finding things that they miss and and helping them do that, you know. so And that's kind of a boring thing in a way. And granted, you're looking at pictures of exotic locations. So there's some level of, of fun there. But it would be interesting to to see... I mean, I don't know. I guess you can't crowd uh, source everything, but there's definitely uh, definitely something there. I think gamma. You touched a lot. You touched on some really good points with the gamifying things, but you're right that there's like a boring aspect to some problems that you can't be avo- can't be avoided. I, and there's also certainly some element of the. I'd put this. Uh... I don't know, again, like so, uh, human brains are very good at certain kind of things machines are very bad at. And that, of course, is, again, where the space is thrived in like three pretty hard cases of I keep saying polynomial folding is one of them. Um, like I say, moon search is one um, certain things where we still are really, really, really bad at getting a computer to do it. Um, this also includes like identifying pictures and data and it's things that people will sooner spend a few dollars to have people in lower cost parts of the world workforce just look at them and say things like the XKCD of like, okay, uh, it's very hard to estimate the difficulty of a task for engineering. And if you're asking, can you tell me if a photo was taken in a park? They're like, yeah, we can do a GPS lookup that data exists in public databases. We can tell you in an instant. And it's like, can you tell me if a photo is of a bird? And it's like, I'm gonna need like a hundred PhD <laughs> researchers in 15 years. And the answer may still be I like 20% accuracy guess. <laughs> yeah. It's super interesting how, um, you know, they've definitely tapped into all of us to be like, can you please show me what a crosswalk looks like? Uh, can you show me what a streetlight looks like? Can you show me the ones with all the baby carriages. <laughs> and, and, well, and sometimes that stuff might be not that I know anything about it, but it's, it does seem like a decent amount of that research surely is finding its way to trying to prevent an autonomous car from going through a crosswalk over a baby carriage. In which case, good. Can I just yeah. sit here and solve more captions yeah. for y'all? Because I right. want to prevent that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. There's a, there's somebody I used to work with who was just like, uh, no, I will never in my life get in an autonomous car. I'm like, yeah, but like it's going to be safer eventually once they work out all the kings. I mean, it's safer now. 100%. Yeah, She's like, I would rather be in control of going over a baby well, carriage than accidentally. <laughs> there, there, there's a distinctly, uh, this comes up several times this week for some random reason, but there's a distinctly, what some people have classified as an American type attitude of basically, don't stop me from screwing this up for myself. Let me yeah. do this. I would rather fail my way to end. This applies to business, applies to art, applies to yeah. so many things. Whereas so education, health, you name it. Some other parts of the world might be like, no, actually, I would rather you not let me just step off the <laughs> cliff. Whereas here we're like, if I choose to step off the cliff, it's important no one gets yeah. in my way. Uh, but right. yeah, there is this thing for like the autonomous learning of the cars. And there's certainly this, I think, overlooked distinction and obviously imperfections and yada, yada. But like I say, already maybe safer of... Anytime any of them happen, it is an enormous news event, the accident. Uh, it is enormous takes a toll for the company, in which case their priority financially is like, how do we make sure that never happens again? And it'd be as if anytime a 16-year-old driver had an accident, and they're going to keep having accidents because they're 16, no human being would ever make that exact same mistake again, ever. Because they take that same patch and deploy it to every machine to not fail the same way that last one failed. Yeah. And if it's an avoidable scenario besides something in which nothing could be done, that particular problem might not happen again. And that is very promising in a way of, I mean, when you start dealing with, if you've dealt with any teenagers and them all 
any given day, the number of them on the road for the first time, accidents and so on, or other folks who are just distracted because they're overconfident and so on. Yeah, I, I increasingly, I think, like I say, it's going to be safer if it's not already. Yeah, I agree with that. It was funny because they just had this really weird take on it. They're like, well, you know, what, what it boiled down to them was a, like you said, they wanted to be able to fail themselves or whatever it might be. But also they were worried about the, the insurance companies and the bean counters that these companies assigning a value to a person's life. And, and they come to the trolley problem in a sense with this electric car. And they're like, well, if there's an old lady or a baby and I'm going to hit one, I, you know, the car is going to choose the old lady as though her life is less valuable. I was like, yeah, but also that's just not going to happen in a car like that. Yeah, it, it turns out most real situations with trolley problems is the trolley just slows down and doesn't hit either. Yeah. Is actually the real yeah. usual automated car is you're not usually actually a train on a track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the crazy thing about automation is they're going to be like, oh, no, there's a baby and an old person. I can press the brakes faster than you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's no 150 millisecond lapse between perception, <laughs> intention, dexterity, instructional yeah. realization into the instrument. Yeah. Yeah. I personally can't wait to nap while the car is driving for me, you know? Yeah, I'm done driving. Uh, I, I, just, I hate it so much. After I've barely driven in the last year like i've probably driven like 20 miles but here's the thing right and, and in the and i say this is someone who barely ever leaves my apartment has worked online by choice for more than five years it's sort of like when people used to discuss like which will win will it be the hd dvd or the blu-ray format and the answer was the broadband cable right yeah. the answer wasn't either it, was, it turns out a silly question we're just gonna have streaming services and stop buying things cooked onto plastic overseas and boxed and sent to retail distributors to have a minimum wage worker stand guard over. I'm just going to push a button and watch it when I feel like it. And increasingly, <laughs> a lot of folks may just like not be in an automated car either. We just might drive a whole lot less because I'm totally down for that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The way that uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson always described it as an East Coaster was that uh, the car would become an automated thing that you share as like a public like utility, like you take it to work. And then it goes and picks up other people. And no, that's all I was going to yeah, say. I was just say just... So it, it, Uber and Lyft and some other companies have been pretty upfront about like, that's really their aim. Like they are yeah. not in the business of getting drivers jobs. Their aim is to become the brand. So whenever that point of technology catches up to us, that's the app you use that just reuses some car. Yeah. Um, oh, when I was in Vegas for CES last time, uh, I, I took driverless Ubers places. So they're getting there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say on, on the West Coast, I mean, we're not looking at getting like new subways or anything like that anytime soon. So thanks, GM. Yeah. Well, so, and I, again, I, this sounds like a soundbite's going to get me in trouble at some point, but this is again where our infrastructure challenges are, you are different here spatially than in some other parts of the world. And it's a bit like with some places like, well, we completely changed our education. I'm like your country's the size of Delaware. And I don't mean to make that sound <laughs> bad. I just mean you have a yeah. different set of logistical challenges. And occasionally like for our travel infrastructure, we are so geographically distributed with literally hundreds and hundreds of times the massive land that it's like once those tracks were down, it is harder for us to rip them all up than a country that kind of has like three major cities in a triangle and like right. just replaces those with bullet trains. Awesome. Yes, I want that too. Um, I'm just also like, I don't know, is if we are very spread oh, yeah. out, including in LA where it's not even clear. I don't know. It's, it's oh, a I tough nut. Yeah. <laughs> I, I live in rural part. Oregon, you know, so it's like, I gotta, I gotta drive 30 minutes to get to anywhere sometimes. So it's, uh, I, I do too. It's, it's just closer. It's not an easy challenge. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that kills me. That's so true. Yeah. Um, Chris, I would love to keep talking to you, but we're like bucking up on three hours here. Right. <laughs> I got a few Fair. chores I got to wrap up tonight. And if that weren't the case, I would hold you here until midnight for sure. Um, <laughs> but I really appreciate you, uh, chatting with us and going off the rails and, uh, getting into the woods of, of some, uh, you know, some philosophical issues and some, uh, but most importantly, the game dev issues. So yeah. Yeah, I like that it all kind of relates back to, to game dev. Helps put a fresh perspective for me on it. So it's a really good reminder for that, our listeners too. Yeah, it's a really good reminder just how like interconnected like everything really is in a way. It's like everything is game dev, you know? 
Um, <laughs> it's like when people are like, why do you have to get political with it? It's like, because everything's politics. Well, why is it game dev? Because everything is. I, th- I think about it like this, right? And this goes for gameplay of any kind, including so when people are playing pool or basketball or soccer or whatever, like that, or heck, spectating football on the television, etc. It really is this object of like focus, shared focus through which we can socialize in other ways, engage in other ways, develop and grow in other ways, have a context, have a lower key conversation about something else because we're just driving to see the game. But actually, it's our chance to like talk about relationship going on or whatever. And, you know, part of what games do is they give us this thing where it's less awkward than sitting there staring each other's eyes and being like, let's talk about something really important and meaningful. And it's just like a bunch of it just <laughs> shut down. But if we're facing the same direction and we're just like, we're shooting hoops and there's just something else going on. We're like, hey, you know, how are you and Karen lately? And it's just so much easier to have a conversation. And... <laughs> oh, that's so true. You can't quite have those conversations uh, sometimes. I'm thinking, for some reason, my mind instantly went to Dota 2. I was like, dude, so I tried to talk to somebody about somebody's <laughs> girlfriend. They'd be like, bro, get your mind back to your lane. Get your last hits. Yeah. I just watched you miss three last hits there while you well, asked about which, Which maybe, but this is also, I mean, it's the classic thing of the, I think last again two years ago whatever. I also use like the bowling team example of like they don't spend all their time bowling those same human beings also are like more likely to catch a movie together or chat about something yeah. else or trade notes or message each other about something else because they've already had that momentum of conversation around I have somebody who I'm messaging this to how they're going to receive it you're going to like this that kind of thing see that's like the that's exact true, yeah. spirit of our podcast and our our community it's like yes it's about game dev but maybe only like 20 or 30 percent of the time actual game dev the rest, I don't know. It's something yeah, to like do. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like a shared. It's like a shared uh, interest that we all have. But we're here to talk about. Uh, you know, shoot, we were talking about. I don't know, hiking in state parks and stuff the other day. Talking about, you know, as people are talking about the stock market right now. Um, you know, so there's all sorts of different. But we're here, and we know that we have this shared interest, which makes it a lot easier to engage, like you say. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a uh, that's a fun way to look at games and sports in general. Is like a way to sort of. Um, parse down our social interactions uh to figure out who who can we talk to who can we trust who's reliable or relatable or friendly big part of what i've both always loved about co-op games and part of what i like about game development too so like and, and not to just suddenly start keeping me for another hour is so like when my brother and i'd be playing ninja turtles in the arcade and there's like a pizza on the street from a crate we kicked open or whatever they would like look at each other our health and we're like, yeah. does he need it more or do I need it? What's going to help our team better? And it might even be I have less health, but he's better. He's older than me at this game. So as a team, we're going to see the next boss, but we won't if I get the pizza. And we're navigating this like joint decision together to solve something. And like, that's a nice, and again, like for athletes, that was always their life of like playing basketball and football and soccer. Whatever. Yeah. Now for a bigger audience, people who may not, that may not be their jam. They can do this stuff in game space. And obviously in development, the same thing happens all the time of like, okay, well, I could solve this problem in a certain way. This person might have a different approach to it. They might be faster. It might be other trade-offs. Which of us should take care of this bug? If you do it from the art side, there's going to be certain trade-offs versus I do it from the engineering side. Um, and I, just, I like that context in which it gets us to kind of, like you say, look out for each other, have each other's backs on stuff, uh, complete each other's stuff, encourage each other, pay attention to what yeah. each other are doing. It's good. Yeah, it's pretty great. I mean, and that's just like the, yeah, that's... Games have such great value, and I just I wish that like you know obviously they caught on and they did really well, but it's like I wish that they didn't require so much defense sometimes. You know that's a, that's one thing in my family all the time that comes up, and they're like, well, you know, somebody has to say something, but then they're like, well, how, why why is your vocabulary that way? It's like because of video games. Yep. Well, how did you do that? Because of video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, there's so many things, and it even begins from one of the challenges of when there are uh, groups that games are disproportionately made for, or something of, of to get this head start on. Yeah. Well, that was the kid out of the family who got used to unplugging and replugging in the equipment just because of the game console to the television. And increasingly is the one the family goes to for like, hey, my email's having a problem. How do I do that? Or they had to configure yeah. and install their files or customize their setup or <laughs> optimize the graphics card, whatever. And suddenly they've got the extra confidence to well, if I don't notice, I can figure it out because I've got more of a head start than somebody else in my yeah. family. And what a space that creates for us to then just take for granted, like need to fix an arcade cabinet. I can probably figure yeah. that out. Yeah. I remember being six years old and plugging into my Sega Genesis and I, and my mom was like, I don't know how to do it. I just yeah. don't call your brother. And I called my brother and he goes, dude, the plugs only go one way. Yep. And I was like, <laughs> Oh well, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, like, yeah. You just figure it out. And then from there on, anytime I do anything, the pl- the plugs go one way. 
Yeah, there's <laughs> it's know? better to be like the blue circle goes in the blue hole, and like the big one goes <laughs> in the big hole, and like the even if like put it as building a computer, which obviously is a little bit overstated, but it's like well the card that fits in that slot that yeah, goes in yeah. that slot. <laughs> And if but I remember the, thing the first time I put in, a computer. Clamp it in. Yeah, I remember the first time I put a computer together. I thought about that Sega Genesis. Yeah, I, it's like you're figuring out which cores go where, plugging in on what on the motherboard, and it's like it kind of goes one place. And if it doesn't, you'll figure it out, or you'll blow something up, maybe. But yeah, um, yeah. Some some of it's yeah. probably misplaced confidence. Like I could totally ruin thousands of dollars of hardware if I don't know what I'm doing because wrong For power sure. supply or something which is where the internet's gotten a better resource and this to go back to taylor being vegan uh when we were so when people starting out being vegan like in the 70s or 80s you basically had to know a person or like do it wrong and die of like how to make sure you're getting <laughs> certain nutrients how to prepare right. certain kinds of foods now anybody who wants to find out that information can pretty easily just find some reasonably authoritative reasonably cross-checked triangulate here's some stuff i should know if they feel like the same day same thing's true for when i got into pinball repair or assembling computers or otherwise you're going to find plenty of guides people who are grateful and happy to share here's some things right. i've learned here's some youtube videos same day yeah. fix your sink that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. i went through Absolutely. this challenge to figure out veganism and i don't want you to go through that challenge so here's my knowledge yeah, yeah. it helps you feel useful to have learned it yeah yeah I mean, yeah, as a testament, I wouldn't be a software developer if I didn't enjoy video games as a kid, you know? Yeah. And even since we started the podcast, I got a job as a software developer. So if nothing else, like... Yeah, that, well, and that's also but... where I think that a major strategic move Microsoft did in going into game consoles, first and foremost. So Microsoft used to be a pretty just weak, unimpressive brand. It was kind of like IBM of like, oh, that's a cold software yeah. company. When they became the Halo company, yeah. I can assure you my entire generation of computer science grads thought very differently about Microsoft and about the possibility of getting a job over at Microsoft, even if it wasn't the game studio portion of things, yeah. because of how cool Xbox was, even if Xbox One lost the company money and was at right. best a longer term investment in future of hardware, etc. Also helped their brand of a whole generation looking at them as cooler and hipper and that kind of thing, because yeah, Xbox was sweet. <laughs> heck yeah it was and so was halo yeah all righty chris That's probably well, a good note to end on xbox is sweet yep yeah xbox is sweet <laughs> xbox is sweet well uh chris for for our listeners you want to shout out some of the places they can find you where they can sign up for your newsletter you mentioned earlier sure yeah like so a couple things uh i'm not doing a shout out my twitter because it's kind of a trash fire but what i will say is that the best place to find out my main work that i do is home team game dev.com it's like it sounds home team like home team and it's sport game dev like game developer home team game dev.com find out more about our like team approach where we help people learn to make games with teams so they can get more done with time that they have got support services introductory materials all kinds of stuff like that for the free newsletter uh that's game dev training.com and that's something that that's actually set up in a way that you won't have missed anything once you join you get basically what was email one and every week thereafter you're getting caught up oh, on cool. every single message that went out of there so now i think probably 20 emails deep in that so people aren't on the same timeline for that but it's basically it's lessons that come from over 2,500 hours of training people privately of common patterns, points that come up, stories I bring up, things that help people, sharing more of that for more people. And a lot of what that is interest for me is occasionally, of course, in my PS, I'll mention like actually also even give away some resources where it's like, okay, now you've kind of got the setup to understand why this exercise booklet's helpful. I even just give it to you if you're on that list because like, thanks, thanks for reading these. Hopefully it's like the prize in the bottom of the cereal box that keeps them looking in there. Um, but occasionally it's also some sort of shout out to figuring out is the approach that I teach and train a match for what somebody wants? That's a win-win. If it is, they have a head start when they come join us in home team that like, yeah, we see eye to eye on some stuff. This seems like a reasonable person who seems knowledgeable about this stuff. And otherwise, they're just learning stuff. And that's that for what GameDevTraining.com's email list is. But anybody can and should go sign up for that. That sounds really great. And uh, I, like like we said earlier, it's a little too late for you guys to get on the ground floor of this of this new home team uh Go ahead. <laughs> I didn't mean to like ring a bell. I was just I was checking if I had any water left in my bugs and I accidentally like, hold up, hold up, sir. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, so I do. Like, I basically want to clarify that. So I was like, ah, it's probably too late to apply to Lighthouse as a founding member. But what happens now is we have three different communities. Uh, Apollo is the original outpost is the second. It's been around for a year and a quarter. Apollo's been around for five years. Uh, and Lighthouse literally started January 2021. So very recently. Uh, but now anybody can apply to all three of the groups. At most, there's probably like a one month wait at our current capacity that might change depending on how many other people apply. Uh, but part of what we do is we go through the application data to help match you to which community out of the ones you suggest might be a fit for, which is the best fit for you. Mm. And this is part of how we're trying to make it work for more people is just realizing, okay, well, somebody really wants to do 
puzzle, RPG, strategy, action, bigger projects, smaller projects, more collaborators, fewer collaborators, whatever. Increasingly, we've got, okay, we can kind of match you to you're a better fitter here, a better fitter over there. But that bit of the process has added some time to our application timeline. But like I say, this was the founding month for Lighthouse. So we had none in there two weeks ago. Now we've got like maybe 2025. 20, um, but that's going to basically slow down as we start to again kind of play this sorting hat game of think you're a good yeah. fit for Outpost, think you're a good fit for Lighthouse based on what's energy and pace and skill level and other factors going on over there. There's all of our um, to our Twitter, which we use anymore, to our Discord channel, to our even our humble affiliate link, which helps keep the lights on around here. We really appreciate anything you do over there. But no, no pressure. You can put it all to charity if you want. I'm pretty sure you can use that's kind of cool. But yeah, there you go. Go gamedevsquest.com, y'all. Really appreciate you guys around. Pretty. Hey, cute out music. Chris, thank you so much. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks for bringing it out. I think my computer's starting to get crusty from how much storage data I've got piling up on it. It's getting <laughs> crunchy and slow, and it's getting mad at me. I'm starting to... But yeah, this has been great. But y'all look like a slideshow to me because my computer is struggling. <laughs> there you go. We really appreciate it. And um, you know, hope, hopefully we can do this again sooner than two years next for time. Sure. No doubt. All right. Have a good one, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. Cheers. Right, thank thanks, you. Chris. Bye. See you. Bye.